As the southeastern Louisiana winds subsided on a rain-drenched August night in the summer of 2033, relief washed over the weary souls who had opted to not evacuate. For hours, they had been battered by whipping winds whose crescendo surpassed 130 miles per hour. Hunkered in the safe room of a Westwego pumping station across the Mississippi River from New Orleans, an operator heard a softening and the whistling noise that had haunted him throughout the evening. But he still perceived rain pounding steadily on the roof above him. And moments later came another sound that curdled his blood. One of the gigantic pumps laboring to prevent the hurricane's torrential downpour from flooding neighborhood streets emitted an audible whine. Then its persistent hum fell silent. The operator raced to the machine and began examining it. Unable to find the source of its failure, he frantically called his boss, who relayed the message to the emergency management headquarters. This prompted calls to a team of experts across the country available for consultation. Within five minutes, a meeting was convened between the pump operator, leaders, and experts, with everyone donning a pair of virtual reality glasses that connected them to the meeting. As the operator explained the predicament, he shared real-time conditions with the emergency response team through virtual reality, instantly transporting each team member on site. Meanwhile, the pump station technician piloted a drone around the troublesome pump, capturing video, LIDAR, and detailed site condition information. An application developed by the U.S. Army Engineer Research and Development Center converted the information captured by the drone into a virtual reality scene that the meeting participants viewed through their glasses. They could see a three-dimensional view of the pump as if they were standing next to it, but with the advantage of being able to peer into tight corners and to observe with greater detail than from a regular video. As the operator walked them through what they were seeing, a mechanical engineer in Dallas and a colleague in Milwaukee both noticed something abnormal. Zooming in closer and conferring with each other, they talked through the cause of the problem and then guided the operator on how to fix it. Within 30 minutes of the failure, the pump was back in operation and rapidly siphoning water that was beginning to accumulate on nearby streets. The rain would continue, but residents would remain protected from flooding. Erdic established the Dynamic Immersive Virtual Environment, or DIVE, laboratory in December 2019 to study how to best apply augmented reality and virtual reality to help the Department of Defense, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, and other federal agencies. By enabling users to be immersed in virtual scenes, augmented and virtual reality technologies can help solve a diverse range of current and future problems. Erdic is creating three-dimensional walkthroughs that allow engineers and stakeholders to test facility designs before construction begins. It is developing tools that connect facility operators trying to troubleshoot a problem with distant subject matter experts who can view the problem from afar in an immersive environment. Erdic's research includes applying augmented and virtual reality to digital twins, facility management, virtual training, improved communication, and more. It involves developing new applications and testing new technologies to determine how Corps of Engineers field staff can best deploy them in a safe and secure manner. And as these disruptive technologies continue to evolve, Arctic will be on the leading edge of finding new solutions for the nation and the warfighter. I'm Chris Kiefer, 
and with Megan Holland Saxton, this is The Power of Erdic. Our guests today are Jeremy Herring and Kelly Irvin with Erdic's Information Technology Laboratory. Jeremy is a research mechanical engineer and program manager for the Library Virtual Reality Project. Kelly is a research computer scientist and lead virtual reality developer for the Flex4 AI Modeling with Digital Twins project. We will talk with Jeremy and Kelly about how Erdic is enabling next-generation engineering by applying augmented reality and virtual reality capabilities. Jeremy, Kelly, thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're glad to be here, too, to our audience. We um, probably noticed that we've been on a little bit of a hiatus. It's been a, a busy time here at Erdic in a lot of projects. And unfortunately, the result of that, it's been a little bit since we podcasted. So we're excited to be back at it again and bring you this episode. And Megan, I know it's been a, a busy time for you personally and professionally. Have a new name over here. Probably noticed at the beginning of the episode. Yep. Megan Holland Saxton got married in December. So... Congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. Still getting used to it. Yeah, very exciting. Awesome. Let's, uh, let's jump into it. I guess, first of all, Kelly, can you talk about what virtual reality is and what augmented reality is and what is the difference between the two? With virtual reality, you're completely immersed in a virtual environment. And with augmented reality, you still have a sense of the physical world around you and usually have holograms or something like that superimposed onto your everyday you know, life around you. So. The main difference is their use cases. So for one, we're looking at things like training for virtual reality and then remote assistance or supplementary instructions, smart instructions for augmented reality. Making sure I understand virtual reality, you're just like in a whole new world. Like like everything you see is in that virtual reality. You can't see anything else. Augmented, you're almost, you're seeing what's really in front of you, but there might be image or table or something else that's also kind of in your field of vision. Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, with augmented reality, you're kind of like looking through glasses. There are other types where you're uh, looking through a camera, but kind of the more typical version of that is you're seeing through glasses that, you know, you can choose to see uh, holograms in front of you or see the real world. Yeah. So augmented reality really yields itself to field applications more so than VR because virtual reality, you're going to be in an office. You're not going to be out in the field using a fully immersed wired headset or even wireless headset from a perspective. You can't see the physical environment. Yeah. You're around. Right? Definitely. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And augmented reality is not necessarily just a headset. Everybody's carrying around new iPhone, iPhone 14s, I believe, come with LiDAR camera systems in them. Mm-hmm and have capabilities to create scans. Tablets are commonplace. Um, You can view augmented reality simulations on your tablet. You can review project features, models of infrastructure. USACE has a large portfolio of infrastructure and viewing those in the field or specific components of those structures on a tablet is really easy to do and to get a better understanding of what you're seeing in the field as well. Sure. One good use case Uh, with AR is that you're able to superimpose digital information onto the physical world. You know, there's lots of different reasons why you'd want to do that. Basically, you know, that's one reason why they call it augmented reality, because you're augmenting your, you know, information that you're Mm -hmm. getting. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people, when they think of virtual reality, augmented reality, they think of video games. From a high level, let's talk about kind of why this matters and how 
augmented and virtual reality or AR and VR. You'll hear us say that a lot. Um, let's talk about how they benefit the Corps of Engineers in the military. Um, why is this important? As a segue into augmented and virtual reality, Kelly and I work for the CAD-BIM Technology Center, that is computer-aided design and building information modeling. And the reason I bring that up is that's our natural segue into the use for augmented reality and virtual reality within USACE, or the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. We're working with the model files for our infrastructure projects. Augmented reality is a great tool to view those models. We have a large, diverse workforce, and within that workforce, we may have specialties that are outside of the engineering and scientist area. You know, we have operators, we have field personnel. They're not going to get in our design programs to view models. So how do we share that information? Really, augmented reality and virtual reality allows a new means to share information and communicate better. And if we're able to understand information more rapidly, we're able to make more informed decisions. And that, you know, has a large, broad reach for all of you, say, from the lowest levels to our highest commander levels. So segueing from the CAD-BIM area into augmented reality and virtual reality, it's no longer just a gaming tool, right? It has a lot of applications. Think about training. How do individuals learn? If you have to repair a component on your vehicle, if you got to repair a component on your washer and dryer, what it, you go to YouTube, mm-hmm. you pull up a video. You don't go to the manual for that device or piece of machine and, and read about it. Most individuals want to learn intuitively. Training is a very large program within USACE, and I think that's initial impact point for virtual reality. How do we train our junior level engineers more rapidly? rapidly. Structures typically are not located in densely populated areas. They're located far away from installations. You have travel time. If I can train in the office and get a junior level engineer or junior level operator or potential lock operator up to speed quickly prior to going out to that physical asset, well, I'm saving time and money. And I believe these technologies can be used across the board, you know, from design to construction and then to life cycle management of our infrastructure. During COVID, all of us had to change the way that we did business Mm -hmm. and change the way that we operate. Well, if I have subject matter experts across the country, how do I gain that expertise and coordinate with them? Having the reachback capability that augmented reality can add with remote assistance capabilities. So say I have an emergency at a pump station structure and I can only send one of the closest engineers out to that facility. Well, if he has a heads up display, I can communicate back to the office to that subject matter expert and get that expert opinion He can see what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. And then I also can talk about enhanced design feature. A lot of our infrastructure within USACE is aging infrastructure, right? That modifications are going to be required to keep that component operable and working. In order to implement those modifications, I can use augmented reality in the field to view that design with the contractor prior to construction. There's a lot of different areas of impact. If we can get outside of the thinking of gaming, This is a real-world tool that's being used across industry within private and government agencies. Jeremy, your background coming to this, working for USACE District, coming from that background and now knowing what you know now about AR and VR, I mean, how could this technology have benefited you had it been available back then? 
prior to joining the information technology lab, I worked as a mechanical designer for the Vicksburg district for a number of years doing civil works design and also worked in operations. And then now I'm on the technology side as a mechanical researcher with ITL. Coming on board, the type of work USACE does is very specialized. We do a lot of things that are not done within industry. Uh, we manage locks and dams. We build pump stations. We design sector gate structures. We have miles and miles of levee systems. Typically, that type of work is not discussed in large volumes within the school system, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to get up to speed and get familiar with those type of projects. So one particular example I'd like to discuss is the design of Empire Floodgate. So Empire Floodgate is a structure that was built southeast of New Orleans, mm -hmm. for those who are not familiar with Empire. Uh, right before you get to the end of civilization down there uh, is Venice. Yeah. It's part of the hurricane restoration work after Hurricane Katrina. And a lot of that work had become regional after that time. And, you know, the work was central centralized out of the New Orleans district. But Vicksburg District was tagged with the design of that floodgate structure. And it's an 84-foot sector gate structure. Uh, for those that are not familiar with sector gates, kind of think about it. I'm going to use a simple analogy, but a, a slice of pizza, right. a triangular shaped mm -hmm. gate. I'll be honest, I didn't take sector gate design 101 <laughs> in college. I was tasked as the lead mechanical designer for that project. And having augmented reality at the time would have been very helpful to get up to speed for what all goes into a structure of that complexity. I basically had to, I was pulling up pictures on uh, Google of sector gates and, and trying to learn about them. You know, from a design perspective, we go to engineering manuals and it kind of walks you through the process. These are the necessary things you have to cover and do. But being able to, you know, view a model would have gotten me up to speed so much quicker. Or if I had a senior level engineer there where, hey, let's pull up an existing structure and just look at it on the tablet and talk about the different components. And this is how we design it this way. So what is the benefit of viewing an immersive scene rather than just using video captured by, let's say, a drone? Being immersed in the scene gives you more information. Video can only give you so much. Your view is still hidden in some respects. Being immersed gives you six degrees of freedom. You can move around the scene and look at anything that you want. So that, that's one of the main advantages of 3D as opposed to 2D. There's still lots of benefits, of course, in, in video capture, but one thing that's interesting about VR is that there's new types of video that you're able to experience. So there's stereoscopic video, and I think in the future you'll start seeing volumetric video is, is another term, and I'll kind of explain that. Yeah. So imagine that you're watching a movie, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen 3D movies Imagine that you're in the movie. So you're you're watching the movie, but you're actually able to move around in it in 3D. I think in the not so distant future, you're going to have more immersive entertainment and not just entertainment, but also tools. Uh, I think that's kind of one of the main things we're talking about today is how can the, this tech be used for workflows and benefiting, you know, USACE. If I'm watching a video, I'm still removed from that. If I'm immersed in it, I'm there. Like Kelly mentioned, I may see things, notice things that I wouldn't just watching a video from afar. Jeremy, on those lines, y'all have talked before about immersive communication and, and how that is another use of this AR, VR technology that can kind of change the way we're able to communicate. Can you talk a little bit more about that? 
One project I'd like to highlight in the context of communication is an engineering with nature project that we worked collaboratively with CHL with uh, Duncan Bryant and Amanda Tritinger. That was a unique effort where they wanted to incorporate virtual reality into their workflows. And so what we did is uh, we took the low sill structure, which is a major component of the Mississippi River system, keeping the Mississippi flowing down the Mississippi and not into the Chafalaya mm-hmm. Basin. So it's a very critical project, but we were able to work with that model file and then incorporate environmental features into it. A lot of times with USACE projects, Getting buy-in from our stakeholders is a critical component of that project. And how do you get buy-in when you're talking with the general public or with your stakeholders and they don't have a a good understanding of your project? Or how's your project going to impact their natural environment? The better that we're able to communicate our project features and how they tie into that natural environment, the more likely we're able to foster that positive relationship and create that buy-in. We were able to take that model file and incorporate some natural environmental features and create a a full scene that you could interact and showcase to your stakeholders to show how this structure is going to tie into the natural environment. A lot of times with engineering, the engineers, you know, you may be on a multidiscipline team with mechanicals, structural engineers, geotechnical engineers. They're solely focused on the infrastructure and the structure itself. And sometimes we, you know, forget about those environmental features. But one design component with virtual reality is we can mock up scenes very quickly, incorporate those natural features to take a more holistic design approach to a project. So we have a a better project and a less impactful project to that natural environment. How and maybe why did Erdic's AR VR effort get started? That kind of goes back to one of our colleagues, uh, Mr. Jonathan Boone. So when I joined uh, the CAD BIM Center at ITL, that was in November of 2018, and they were already kind of looking into augmented reality. They were actually at a CAD BIM community of practice meeting. So USACE is a very large organization. We're made up of nine divisions and 43 districts across the United States. And from time to time, on an annual or biannual basis, they'll host a community of practice meeting and bring all the subject matter experts and individuals within those disciplines together to discuss current projects, current gains. But he was at that community of practice meeting and they asked the question, who's working with augmented reality and and virtual reality? And very few hands went up. And that kind of gave him the idea that, hey, we need to start looking at these technologies. When I came on board, Jonathan and uh, the team at the CAD BIM Center were were starting to look and explore these capabilities. And then it's kind of just snowballed from there where we're really expanding to different business areas and trying to kind of showcase the potential in all areas. You know, the major business lines within USACE, definitely a lot of applications for flood risk management, navigation, and environmental. We talked a little about the engineering with nature effort, but what are some of the other projects that you have completed that involve augmented and virtual reality? I know you've done quite a bit. Yeah, we're working on multiple interesting projects in the field of AR, VR right now. One project I'd like to highlight is the Erdic Library Virtual Reality Project. And our team is currently creating an exact replica of the physical library that we have here on campus at our Vicksburg 
campus. Uh, we have multiple installations within Erdic. They don't have physical libraries at their locations, and they need to access the information digitally. In our ever-evolving age, we thought it would be great to have a virtual library that individuals could actually get in a headset, pop in, and interact with the librarian avatar, and they could actually walk through our library space virtually. So when you're in the VR simulation, it's like you're in the in our library. All the books are at the exact location of our library and you can interact and pull that information based on what type of research you're doing or the project you're working in. But, you know, and a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to put on a headset to go go to the library, but this is really like a kickoff point for the digital twin era. I'd imagine for you guys, too, it's a project. I mean, it's creating a virtual library, but it's also a kind of a, I'm going to say a test bed, if that's the right term. But, you know, you're kind of developing a capability that you all will be able to use for other things down the road. Definitely. It's, you know, I would say a pilot. We're using this to pilot the capability and then develop the user interface of how do we interact with these digital scenes. Tomorrow, we may be creating a virtual scene for a lock and dam. So I work for ITL. I've actually gotten to see this project. It's pretty cool. Um, one of the major benefits here is collaboration as well, because this gives people that are in places all across the country an opportunity to come into one space, be in there together at one time and access resources while collaborating with each other. Yeah, AR and VR are Excellent for collaboration. I think that's one of the main use cases and benefits is being able to bring people from all over into the same scene. Someone from New Hampshire and someone from Illinois can walk into a library together, basically. Our vision for that is all kinds of USACE assets being digital twinned, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. And basically, therefore, subject matter experts from all over can be immersed in the same USACE asset at the same time, offering feedback and comments. So one of the main projects that I'm working on is the artificial intelligence modeling with digital twins. The gist of that project is, like we've been talking about, creating a pilot that would showcase how this technology can really be used. One of the things that we've discovered is that it ties back into facility management. So we're able to create a full-scale virtual model of the Erdic headquarters building. That That's kind of one of our test cases. We also have a virtual model of ITL as well. So you can do a full walkthrough. There's different tools that you can use within the digital twin. So the idea is to see real-time streaming data about the building For infrastructure management and looking at a building and how it operates, energy consumptions, you know, topic of discussion among USACE with the amount of buildings that we have. So in order to really get the true value from an operation and maintenance perspective, if that digital twin can show how that building is is functioning and how those systems are operating, we can make efficiency gains and optimize the building control system to get the most from those systems as possible. And that's really critical on, you know, major infrastructure. You mentioned digital twins, which are just digital replicas um, of a structure, you know, anything really. And this is a hot topic right now. How can ARVR take existing digital twin capabilities to a new level? Virtual reality allows you to be completely immersed in the digital twin, which I think adds a lot of value because it can give whoever's viewing it a lot more information about the twin because you've got 
that 360 depth perception and everything like that. So it's another way to interact with the model. We're kind of building out the prototypes for future uses of this tech. So things like being immersed in the scene will be commonplace or just be a natural way to view 3D models. So right now it's, you know, very cutting edge, but in the future, this will sort of just be the norm of how you view these kind of models. Yeah. One large program for USACE is, is a periodic inspection program. So think of the value that's added to immerse the inspection team in the project's site prior to actually going physically to that site. So they can review the previous periodic inspection report, review that previous information for that infrastructure asset, what was done, what was the problems, and how can I get rapidly up to speed? Maybe I've never been there. Maybe I've never viewed a diesel pump station before. I could get in the scene with my senior level engineer and have him walk through areas of concern. Uh, maybe he didn't have the capability to attend the on-site periodic inspection, but he can transfer that knowledge to the individual that's going to be on-site and actually use that digital twin to discuss the project and to identify the particular components that that engineer may need to view and look at why he's on, you know, why he's on site and capture that information. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to mention was sort of some of our techniques that we've been using. One is that uh, we went through the entire Erdic headquarters building and used a 3D scanner to capture the space. So not only do we have a digital BIM model of the Erdic headquarters building, but we also have a reality capture scene as well. You know, we talked a little bit at the beginning about how this can help with design and having, you know, models. And when you're in the design phase of a project, one of the success stories I've heard y'all talk about involving augmented and virtual reality in the Corps of Engineers before involved using it for a design at the SULOC. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I can kind of give some background. So I communicated a lot with Gary Grunwald, that was the main VR researcher up at the Louisville district for that. And he kind of filled me in on what they were able to do. And the story behind that is they were designing the lock operators room. And what they found was that there were many clashes in there that they couldn't see from the normal BIM model or from the plans mm -hmm. that they had. So when they were in VR, they noticed that the, uh, operator did not have a clear view of the lock. So from that, they were able to make some design changes that enabled the lock operator to have a more clear view of the scene, which would have cost, you know, a lot of money to go back at the later design phase to change all that. So they were able to catch that before that room had been built. Something that was caught through AR VR that would not have been caught. Exactly. Just looking at a model. They were able to see that design flaw using virtual reality, right? So the engineers, they had been in the models. They'd been in the, the BIM, which is building information modeling programs. But, you know, a lot of times when the engineers, when you're fully involved in that model, you may just be looking at primarily your area of concern. If I'm designing the mechanical machinery, I'm typically focused on it and may not be focused on all the component aspects to make the entire block chamber. So when you put all the designers in virtual reality and say, just explore the structure or walk through it, you may notice clashes or deficiencies that you didn't notice just looking at the components in the model itself. So if you can catch those flaws or those areas areas of concern prior to construction. So modifications are very expensive. 
once a uh, USACE project is bid, in order to make a change, you have to issue a modification. And typically, those are time delays and and very costly. So if we can uh, deploy virtual reality as part of the design process and catch some of those changes earlier and make them prior to bidding the project, we're going to save the nation time and money for the cost of those projects. Is that an Erdic project? We were involved from a coordination perspective since, you know, we have the unique capability of being able to work with this newer technology mm-hmm. that all the district personnel may not be able to use. So from a coordination perspective, the SULOC is operated and managed by the Detroit district. But uh, as Kelly indicated, Gary was with the Louisville district, but it was a joint effort between Louisville, Pittsburgh, and Nashville districts were the designers of record for that project. So as a whole, Erdic, you know, we don't conduct design work. We're here as the research leg of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. So we're able to research these newer disruptive technologies to see how can we implement them in our workflows, what are the efficiencies to gain? Our goal is to basically be the test bed to look at this technology, see how we can use it, see what does work and what doesn't work. And then upon using it during pilot projects, how do we deploy it and get more viewership across USACE to really show the, you know, the benefits that can be gained in these areas? Yeah, a lot of this technology is so bleeding edge that it's not quite ready to be deployed out into the field. But through our research, we're able to see where it can be. And then, you know, our goal is to get it out into the field as quickly as possible. One area I'd like to mention that that we haven't discussed is our dive. We have a unique opportunity here at ITL with our dive lab, and that stands for Dynamic Immersive Virtual Environment. And that's really our, our hub for research in the augmented reality and virtual reality. And we've hosted a lot of visitors over the last two years. This area of research is gaining a lot of traction with, within USACE with commanders, really seeing the value that it can add to our projects. So with the dive, we have the capability and the unique opportunity to utilize a lot of the commercially available equipment from the different headsets for VR, uh, the different headsets for AR, and then having the capability of of a dedicated research network. We have the unique ability to research these tools in a safe manner a lot of people that are not able to even get their hands on the equipment, they're not going to be ready to deploy this in an effective manner. So having our hands on the equipment, being able to research it and understand how to use it, all of those things enable the research that will provide those helpful use cases to use you know, in the future. So talking about the dive and, and even kind of building beyond that, I mean, what are Erdic's unique capabilities in this space in researching AR, VR? As a whole, I believe just Erdic, we're in a very unique position because we have access to a large, diverse workforce. Uh, you know, we have multiple labs, uh, seven labs that have specialized areas of interest, and we're able to collaborate with engineers, with scientists, biologists, people that are really just experts in their field. And then the unique capability of working with USACE 
USACE's portfolio is very unique and diverse. You know, we have pump stations, locks and dams, levy systems. So it gives the opportunity to deploy these capabilities utilizing these technologies in multiple business areas that industry may not have access to. Mm-hmm. And just having that opportunity to be able to work, you know, from a design standpoint to construction to operation, you know, those are three major areas that we can impact. So I really enjoy the opportunity to be able to work in so many areas. Yeah. One great thing about working at ITL is our ability to work with so many different scientific disciplines across all the Erdic labs. So, you know, a lot of our business comes from all the different Erdic labs. One really great example of this right now is a project that I'm working on. It's called the Ship Simulator of the Future. So we work directly with CHL on that. Some of our audience may remember we've done an episode on Ship Simulator. I think it's maybe episode five, six. You can kind of look back in our archive if you're more interested in the topic. And now you guys are working with a team there to kind of add some augmented and virtual reality capabilities. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? That's right. The name of the project is the Ship Simulator of the Future. And the idea was to kind of create the next gen of what the current ship simulator is. One really interesting thing about that project is the fact that as a computer scientist, I've learned a lot about wave physics over this project. And, you know, having access to physicists and being able to learn lots about, you know, hydrodynamics and things like that that I don't normally deal with. It's just been really fascinating and interesting. And being able to take that technology to the next level through virtual reality, I think, is a a, a natural segue for, for that type of tech. And that's also kind of a segue. We've talked a lot of civil work stuff today. Are you all doing a lot of military research as well? One great opportunity that we have working for ITL is our ability to work directly with the military. So we can work on civil works, but we can also work on military projects. And VR lends really well to military training, and we're definitely looking into that. And then there's also augmented reality, which the Army's got lots of things going on there. The military in general has been doing AR for a really long time. I I think AR was actually invented at a uh, Air Force research lab. So we've been in this game for a long time. And that was kind of one of the first things that I thought of when I first got hired was, you know, where's all this cool AR VR tech that you hear about the military having? And I started to realize that I'm on that, the tip of that spear. So ITL is heading up a lot of innovation in this area. With the ship simulator project, we're actually looking into landing craft units. So there's a lot of collaboration with the Marines, the Mm -hmm. Navy, in looking at not only how do we create simulators for our navigation branch and inland waterways and stuff like that, but how do we also apply this in a military way One area that may not be thought about from a military perspective, but that is really large in the military is vertical construction. We have to house and take care of our soldiers, and then we have to take care of them from a medical perspective as well. So one of our projects they're actually able to utilize virtual reality on is Fort Leonard Wood Medical Facility. So really from a vertical construction perspective, you know, medical facilities is, is a large area that we can focus and utilize these capabilities. Um, With that, they were able to use virtual reality to actually create some mock-ups for specific areas of the hospital, the operating room, emergency room. Uh, When you're doing a large-scale hospital design, typically you have to do physical mock-ups of certain areas to get feedback from the personnel that's going to use those, the nurses, the surgeons, the doctors. 
they're not going to get in a engineering drawing. They're not going to get in the, the BIM program. But if you build that physical mock-up, that's time consuming and that's costly. So if you're on a budget and you're time constrained, you can use virtual reality to supplement those physical mock-ups and create yeah. some virtual mock-ups and actually put those surgeons, put those doctors, those nurses in that scene and get that critical feedback from them right, as the ones that's right. going to use it, right? You know, so that that's how you create, you know, better collaboration across the board with all uh, individuals that that project's going to impact. ARVR can also be used as a training tool. What kind of work are y'all doing in that area? So there's definitely military and civil works applications when we're talking training. I'll let Jeremy go into the civil works part, but I think from a military training, a lot of that's pretty obvious, right? Soldiers, they work by repetition. You know, mm-hmm. they, they want to build that muscle memory for what they're training on. And the Army has so many different training areas, whether it's maintenance on vehicles, tanks, helicopters, whether it's um, an actual combat operation or something like that. Being able to rehearse those things in VR are very good as a supplement to the physical training that they're getting. There's lots of different tools that can make that more effective, such as haptics. So we've got some haptics gloves and being able to actually feel your environment around you, it builds that muscle memory even deeper. So being able to layer these different immersive tech on top of each other, just for your brain, it just builds even more muscle memory. So these are gloves that make it feel like you're actually touching and moving the pieces that you see in the AR VR program. Right. If I have a table in front of me, if I put my hand on the table, I actually feel like there's something there. Yeah, you can grasp uh, any virtual object. You can grab it and pick it up. You can interact with switches, levers, pretty much anything that you could put your hand on. You could feel the tactile sensation. Wow. So if I'm doing maintenance on a pump and I'm, you know, from a civil works perspective and kind of there's a lot of crossover, you know, Kelly mentioned working on um, military vehicles, you know, or if you're a mechanic for a helicopter system or even working on a locking dam hydraulic cylinder, you know, we can create uh, realistic training scenarios to train individuals virtually and then imploring the, the haptic technology. Well, you feel like you're going to pick up a wrench. And these technologies are just going to get better as they advance. You know, right now we're more in the, I would say, adolescence phase of wide scale use of haptics. It's very specialized equipment. It's costly, but over time, costs reduced and the technology gets smaller, uh, easier to use and better. And then it's just going to create more intuitive where you're going to actually feel like you're performing the work virtually prior to actually being on site physically, or especially if you're operating on a, you know, a multi-million dollar piece of equipment, you know, we may want to train those individuals virtually first (laughs) and really just utilize that cost-efficient capability. As humans, we experience our reality around us through our five senses. Currently, VR's got three of those covered. So you've got your sight, hearing, and touch. All of those create that illusion of being immersed somewhere that you actually are not. So this is only going to continue to get more realistic as we go forward. You know, what are some other future enhancements that you're working on? Well, definitely the headsets are going to get smaller, easier to wear. You can already see out there they're starting to experiment with glasses. I think it's going to be way more widespread. And then, of course, um, the bigger headsets, the processing power and the... um, 
graphics cards that are coming out are just going to enable better realistic graphics and things like that. So it's going to get more realistic, like you said, and that's one of the things that we see coming down the pike. And that could have implications on kind of how it affects the brain and, and the user and basically being more immersed in the scene. One of those enhancements we're looking to make is just the connections to all the installations and commanders in different military uh, applications, working with the Air Force, working with NAVFAC, which is the Navy facilities operation. We're here at the CADBIM Technology Center to make more people aware of the research we're doing in this area to create the engagement of across our enterprise just to further the use of these technologies and then get that valuable feedback from the operators, from the individuals at the ground level. You know, we need them to bring us their problems so we work with them to help solve them. As we continue to research in this area, we expect to grow our business areas, not only in the civil domain, but also in the military domain. Definitely interested in creating continued partnerships with the Air Force and then uh, re-establishing connections with NAVFAC, Navy Facilities Operations. And just that here in ITL in the CAD-BIM Center, that we're developing these capabilities as a premier researcher in the areas of augmented reality and virtual reality. And we want to establish partnerships across the DOD that when individuals think of AR or VR, they think of the CAD-BIM Technology Center at the Information Technology Lab. That's great. And it's going to be exciting just to see where it continues to go. I mean, like you said, that the future is kind of wide open in this area. And as you will get more established and and have more time and and dig into it deeper, the sky's the limit. So I I look forward to seeing what all lies ahead. And it's been a great discussion. So thank you guys. Great. Definitely appreciate the opportunity to join y'all today. Yeah, we really appreciate being able to come here and talk about this today. Yeah, thanks for being here. This is a fun topic. If I was a student again and I knew that I could do this kind of thing, maybe I would have gone into a different career. So thanks for talking to us about what you do today. Yeah, all, all you university uh, future graduates definitely keep Erdic in mind as a unique place to work and definitely a, a great opportunity. Through its Dive Lab, Erdic brings together subject matter experts to optimize the use of augmented and virtual reality for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and Department of Defense. Their research is producing tools that allow users to clearly visualize problems and propose solutions, enabling more informed decisions. It will result in better facility and infrastructure planning, improved communication, enhanced construction practices, more robust training opportunities, and more. The Power of Erdic podcast is a production of the U.S. Army Engineer Research and Development Center. Follow Erdic on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter for the latest information. You can listen to the Power of Erdic podcast and all major podcast players. Visit powerofurticpodcast.org for more resources. You can also contact us at powerofurticpodcast at usace.army.mil. That's all for today. We'll see you next time.